you simply connect your debit or credit card to an existing loyalty program and then the next time you shop with that retailer you simply pay using your card and you'll automatically get rewarded on today's show we're talking to david john the founder and ceo of loyalize talking all about why when we're moving to predominantly digital channels loyalty matters more than ever my name is David Savage. This is Tech Talks, your twice weekly technology podcast where we talk to leaders from across the sector and bring you a bit of tech news. After six months of not recording a single episode in person, I'm sat in front of a quiche. We are. We are. We're sat in front of each other. How are you feeling about that? Yeah, good, man. Good, good. We're maintaining a di- social distance. We are. We are. Um, but I can see your legs and I'm not... You know, seeing you on the screen, which is... <laughs> Would that improve things if I, if, if you could see my legs when we recorded recording uh, remotely? No, 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 not really. But yeah, man, it's, it's good. It's just good to be in the office. Um, and we're actually on the office floor as well. Um, yeah, so because there's no one here. We can record out in the open. Yeah. There's, exactly. what, three other people from three. our part of the business. Yeah, 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 exactly. But it's just good to be in the office, I guess. And, and yeah, away from the home office, so to speak. <sighs> you see... It is. It's mm. nice to see people. Yeah. I don't think. I think today will be a less productive day for me than normal. Mm. But it's nice just to kind of not feel totally alienated from the business that you work for. Yeah. No. Exactly. I totally don't subscribe to the idea that I need to be here more than one max two days a week. Yeah. No. Definitely. And also, I think it's just work dependent. I had a lot of things on um, that I had to do today, so yeah, decided to come in, and obviously this was part of it. Yeah. Um, recording the pod. Recording the pod. Yeah. A key um, part of the day. And we're going to be talking about payments again. I feel like Tech Talk should become like a sub, sub like Payment we should have platform. a sub subcategory for payments because yeah. we've done it a lot recently, yeah. which I think is understandable. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but that doesn't say that we've got loads of money and we're spending that. But. No. <laughs> Although I do have an Amazon package pick, going to my house today that Decent. I had to let my wife know Decent. about. I've also lost a track of all the deliveries. I don't know if you have or anyone listening has, but like you know when you're just buying things online from so many different websites. And you suddenly get a text in the morning, go, your parcel's going to be doing between 10 to 12 or yeah. 4 what to 6. It? And you're like, oh, what is it? And then you go through like your inbox thinking, is it this? Could it be that? You know, I got oh. a knock at the door yesterday and I was like, I'm pretty sure I haven't bought anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was for next door. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I, I've had that as well. Yeah. Where, in fact, I had a massive um, Fortnum and Mason kind of package get delivered. And the guy's knocked on the door. Flashing the cash Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Well, I've, the guy's knocked on the door. I've gone... Oh crap, was I drunk? What <laughs> the hell is this? What? Well, you just fancy some bourgeoisie experience yeah. of Fortnum and Mason yeah, exactly. last like, What on earth is this? And then he's gone, um, oh yeah, sorry, this is for, for number 18. And I'm like, oh right, okay, yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, and then it's obviously, you're like, when do I knock on their door then? You know, and then you're, you're kind of. Oh, no, surely you wait for them to knock on your door. Because uh, yeah. they get a note saying that it's been delivered next door. Yeah, but then I saw them in the garden. And I was oh, like, you obviously at that point say, I've got your Fortnum and yeah, Mason exactly, stuff, yeah. your bourgeoisie socialists. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I had to, had to pop it over the fence, which was, uh, which was interesting. But yeah, man, it's it's crazy. Payments, customers, you know, everything like that, really, which, yeah. is, uh, which is good. So, yeah. Talking of spending money, uh, as we said, payments, this is all about loyalty as well. So that Fortnum mm. and Mason, obviously next door, quite loyal to that, perhaps. Guess You'll find so. out if you get another package from yeah, Fortnum and Mason I'm delivered. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're um, very middle class, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with a bit of champagne socialism, mate. Well, yeah, no. Right. Uh, so, yeah, we'll hand over to the interview with David from Loyalize. We'll be back with some commentary and then some right. news. So, today I'm chatting to David John, the CEO and founder of Loyalize. Thanks for making some time to have a chat to us this morning. 
No worries. Thanks, David. Really, really looking forward to speaking to you. Enjoying your week. It's Tuesday, so I suppose it's kind of into this. Well, it's, it's odd, isn't it? I, I kind yeah. of the whole Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday thing doesn't quite feel like it used to when it, when everybody's at home. No, it doesn't. That, honestly, the days are blending into one. It is a. It's either a seven day weekend or a seven day working week. It's sort of, sort of no <laughs> in between. So yeah, found myself doing a bit of work on Sunday. So I sort of woke up this morning and thought, oh, brilliant Wednesday, we're halfway through, and then firmly realised. No, it's Tuesday. Um, but no, it's it's all good. It's uh, It's been quite an adjustment, obviously, with everyone being from home as well. It's not just me having the flexibility of working from home, but with everyone in the same boat. Um, so it's been a very interesting time. Yeah, absolutely. Look, before we get into some of the kind of issues around the sector and, and, and have a bit of a chat on that front, do you want to just tell us who Loyal Eyes are? Because it's a reasonably new business, right? Yes, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, we've been um, well, officially going for about 18 months, but it's only been in sort of the past six to eight months that things have really started to, to accelerate. Um, so, I mean, a, a bit of background if it helps on the business. So, um, you know, you look over the past five to seven years and, and payments technology has been growing exponentially. There's been so much innovation in, you know, creating frictionless payments and seamless payments, et cetera. But I found that there is this hasn't been quite the same attention given to loyalty. And it's such a key part of the, the shopping and e-commerce journey, um, whether you're online or in the store. You know, so many uh, merchants have loyalty programs, but typically until relatively recently, they've all been plastic card based or even having to scan a code within an app. And that process, when you get to the checkout, is relatively clunky. And I found that it completely detracted from all this innovation that was going into payments. You know, if, if the payments innovation is there to speed up that process, but beforehand I have to faff around and find a plastic loyalty card, scan it, and then open my you know, digital payment payments wallet and, and pay with that, it became quite a disjointed process. So we set about creating a platform that fundamentally bridged the gap between the two to create a single seamless transaction that combined payment and loyalty together. Um, and that's where, where Loyalize was born. So we've developed a, a white label engagement platform that combines payment and loyalty into a single transaction. So for customers, it removes that requirement for a plastic loyalty card for scanning a code. You simply connect your debit or credit card to an existing loyalty program. And then the next time you shop with that retailer, you simply pay using your card and you'll automatically get rewarded. Uh, and importantly, for those retailers that we do work with, it helps them provide, it helps them get access, I should say, to a lot richer insights on their customer behaviors. So Typically, engagement might be quite low. So a retailer might have 20 million loyalty members, but only 10% might be actively engaged. And that's because the other 90% don't remember their plastic card every time. So they don't have really rich insights on who their customers are. So by streamlining the process to earn their loyalty, it provides the retailers with access to rich real-time insights on their loyalty members, which can then in turn be used to generate targeted offers and rewards and campaigns to individuals or, or groups of customers. Um, so it's a very, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a new business, um, but it's an exciting time, certainly in the industry. I think the pandemic, and I'm sure we'll touch on that shortly, is, has you know, changed the landscape quite considerably. Um, but yeah, it's starting to progress quite nicely. I suppose the first question that I'd have, um, I don't use a huge amount of loyalty schemes. One of the few that I yeah. do use is, is a is a reasonably well-known coffee shop chain, all right? Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. And I go in and uh, I have the app on my phone and I pay via a QR code. 
like yeah. scan at this hill. Yeah. Um, and it's got a card linked to it. And That's in it. that, it then asks me, how was my experience? You know, what would I rate it? And then it asks me why. And then it kind of gives me free coffee and whatever else or free food on the back yep. of purchases. I can see that there's a little bit of extra friction because you've got to open the actual um, the app uh, mm-hmm. from that particular coffee shop and then and then pay. But once you scan the QR code, there's no extra payment there. Yep. What's the incentive for a business like that where they're getting interaction with a customer to come onto a platform that's white label because i suppose they they quite like the fact that i'm rating what my level of service was in that day and whatever else would they not stand to lose that no no because you we can keep that incorporated into any other existing loyalty solution so the difference between that and perhaps our our solution is that particular use case requires a full point of sale integration so that when you scan the QR code, the point of sale can recognize that there's a payment card connected to it, process the payment, and then issue with you you with your stamp in the app. Our solution is pretty light touch, so we don't go anywhere near the point of sale if it's not required. All our tracking is done either by the payment networks or through open banking, which means as a customer, you can pay through any mechanism you require. You can either use the card, you can use Apple Pay, you can use other digital wallets if you wish, and you will still get the benefits of the loyalty. And then equally within the loyalty app or within your loyalty account within that merchant, they can send you exactly the same features as you would get in this coffee shop app, whereby after the transactions come through, you can get a notification to say, you know, how was your service today? How was everything? You know, would you like any improvements? Would you like any updates? So the same process can take place except we just remove that additional potential piece of friction where you don't have to pay through a QR code, but you can pay by any mechanism you wish. Look, I mean, you mentioned on the, on the, on the pandemic, and it's quite an interesting point, right? More yeah. and more people are shopping online. There are yeah. certain shops. I'm a bit of a – I'll admit, I'm a bit of a snob when it, when it comes <laughs> to shops. Um, I don't like TK Maxx. It yeah. feels like a yeah. jumble sale. I do yeah. like John Lewis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, terribly- yeah. Terribly middle class and no, so no, no. thoroughly, thoroughly kind of predictable. But I like John Lewis. I like shops like Reese. I like shops where I go in and I don't feel like everything's kind of on top of each other and there's millions of people. Yeah. So I go to those shops more often than, than I do in, say, TK Maxx, which my yeah. wife loves and will drag me around for hours and I hate. Yeah. Um, but there we go. Um, however, all of that disappears when we're online, right? So what what role is loyalty playing, I suppose, in helping brands differentiate? And, and and how are you seeing that progress as we go into this world where I suppose more people are nervous to go out into shops? And there is that, I suppose, even when they are in shops, it's not as pleasant an experience as, as it used to be when you've got to wear a face mask and you've got yeah. to social distance, et cetera. Of course, of course. No, lo- lo- loyalty has become sort of, especially in times of crisis, ever more vital because it's all about building customer engagements. And loyalties are a perfect channel for retailers to communicate with their customers in a really non-invasive manner and to provide them with incentives to keep that engagement, to keep their customers coming back. You know, you can have newsletter forums whereby a retailer can send up newsletters to customers, but Let's be honest, nobody really ticks that box and says, yep, I want to receive a daily newsletter with all this stuff. Whereas if you're a loyalty customer and it's phrased to you as, we want to send you offers relating to your loyalty account that are targeted to you, it's a really effective way to build that engagement and to make every customer feel fundamentally like a, like a VIP. And so for online businesses, 
as you mentioned, you know, there's been a big transition recently between you know footfall transitioning to e-commerce because of people either aren't comfortable going back into store or they've just become so used to sitting in their living rooms and you know one click buy on a number of e-commerce sites. But loyalty is is a great added value incentive to get people to come to their brand because now with so many businesses strengthening their e-commerce channels. Who do you go to? You know, if you want to buy a you know a nice new polo, there's probably 15, 20 different websites you could go to where you could buy very similar products. And price point is certainly a contributing factor, but it's not the be all and end all. But it's the added value over and above the price that can often drive a customer to make a, a decision as to which channel they they purchase down. Um, and so I think an effective loyalty program can be such a powerful tool to get customers to engage with a brand, whether it is online or in store, but importantly, allows that retailer to really understand who their customers are to keep them coming back. What role do you see social playing? Because at the minute, uh, increasingly, Instagram is is an e- e-commerce platform. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, you get you get offered loads of adverts for stuff that they obviously think you're interested in based on accounts that you're following, et cetera. Yeah. And also when you've jumped off onto other websites to make purchases. Yeah. But it does feel a little bit hit and miss at the minute. I suppose, you know, you were talking about the understanding around, you know, the the, the rich real-time data that you're collecting and then offers and campaigns that can mm. then be fed back into social campaigns, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And and social, you know, everyone, especially during lockdown, say the use of Instagram and Facebook and social channels has gone through the roof because it's so easy just to sit there and browse, you know, all day whilst you're, shouldn't say it, but on a Zoom call, camera's off and you can sit, sit and browse through social, right? And so absolutely, if if a retailer can effectively harness data they're getting from customers, and initially if it's all based on transaction data, but you can then send out targeted sponsored campaigns down the social channels knowing that your customers are going to be engaging with those channels and if the offers are specifically targeted as well so for example you could be on instagram and you could see an offer for certain items based on how you've been spending and vice versa i will see how i've been spending that is that is unbelievable um and the value in that is is huge and i think social Social marketing or targeted social marketing is such a, a big, big industry, um, and it can be, you know, extremely, extremely effective. So, look, um, you mentioned about flexibility. You're yeah. CEO and founder of this business. Um, if I'm right, uh, and forgive me if I'm wrong, you've been a founder of one of the business previously, but it's not like you're you're not this isn't like your fifth company i suppose so there's an element of your learning at the minute as well at the same time right absolutely yes that that other business was actually a previous iteration of what we have now so we started right. this business out as a as a customer facing app um think of it as a digital version or a digital coalition program right so we, if your customer downloaded our app you can connect your payment cards to this app. And then when you shopped in a specific network of, of retailers, you would earn a new points currency that we created and, and launched to market. Um, I, actually, I do still think there's a big opportunity for something like that. But I think at the time, we just underestimated the huge cost of customer marketing. You know, it's such a big effort to try and get users to engage with an unknown brand, an unknown app then connect their bank cards, et cetera. Um, and we did it for a couple of years and it was a really, really insightful experience because looking back, it helped us to truly understand what it is that retailers want from not just loyalty, but this type of technology. 
um, mm-hmm. with the key focus being on they don't want customers to be engaging with them via a third party. You know, they want to engage with their customers down their own channel, through their own apps, through their own website. They don't want to be sending customers to a third party application in order to engage with them. Um, and so we did it, yeah, for a couple of years. We took an awful lot of learnings and we got to a relatively strong point. We had about 10,000 users on the app. We worked some fantastic brands. But we hit that crunch point where we either needed significant funding to take it to the next level but we couldn't get that without having a much more critical mass on the app. Um, and so we sat down with a, a Visa executive at the time who was basically just told me straight, what you've got is fantastic. The technology is, is, is brilliant, but you're delivering it to market down the wrong channel. If you really want to give this a go and make it work, you need to be looking at a B2B solution. Um, and it was the first time I think anyone had really drilled and said, what you've got isn't going to work, but it could. You just need to change how you're going about it. Um, and it was quite refreshing, quite humbling, actually, yeah. to, to hear that. So just to jump in that experience, I'm assuming it was the typical um, British startup story of, of a smallish team pulling in the same direction, shared goal in an office, possibly working some some quite antisocial hours at times, right? Yeah, very much so. I mean, even an office is a bit bold. We worked, I think we, most hotels in London have been our office. It was always working in the bar, in the lobby of, of various hotels. where We quite honestly just sit there from first thing in the morning through to relatively late in the evening. And it's just the classic hustle game. Um, yeah. yeah. So fun. so that that hustle game is is is... It is the kind of the way that we have thought about the startup sector in this country for a long time. People getting in a in a small space together and really working together in in close proximity, uh, building something. Yeah, absolutely. For, I, I think that's and crazy out. And then all of a sudden, we're not in that world, and that that must be challenging as much as you trust your your team around you. Yeah, I think that that that's absolutely yeah. I think there's a big shift in mindset. You know, going away from being able to sit in a room. 24 seven and just spitball ideas and brainstorm and, you know, have that contact with someone. So now it all being done digitally. It's a big, it's a big change, but I've, I've seen it happen to, to pretty great effect. And actually one of my advisors has set up a fantastic platform business. And, you know, he said it wasn't his intention to set up a company during a global pandemic, but I've seen to great effect how actually being in a digital environment, he's managed to utilize very very well um and i think the advantage to it means you can work with a range of people all over the world at once you know there are limitations to being in person versus being able to do everything digitally and have all of your calls it's just a case as i say as as you mentioned of of monitoring and ensuring that everyone is doing what they're saying they're doing Um, and i think that's I mean, I don't know if there's a necessary an answer to that. I think there's a big element of trust, as there always is in mm-hmm. the startup game, in the startup world. You have to trust that people who are working with you are pulling their their weight as well, um, you know, because you can't keep an eye on them all the time. And you do have to relinquish some control to, to, to the fact that there are elements that you can't foresee um, all of the time. But um, look, I think everyone's having to go through it. So I think there is a shared consensus that, it's a two-way street. This isn't us just deciding to set up a business digitally. You know, it's something that people are forced to do. Do you think it could breed better CEO behavior in entrepreneurs? Because there's there's often that point in a in a startup business where the founder is asked the question either externally or, or by themselves, where they go, 
am I a CEO? Am I the best person to lead this business? And you often find the kind of the founder who wants to be the CEO, who can't let go, who looks over the shoulders of all of their staff versus the one who maybe recognizes, you know, and there are some that are great business leaders, absolutely. But there are Mm. some who realize, actually, I'm better in the business. and I'm better finding someone to come in and run the business. And I'll focus on the thing that I'm good at. I suppose this distance that we now have might breed better behavior. Yeah, actually, I do think that. I think it because it emphasizes the gaps in the team as well. I think when you're all in a room together, it's it's potentially easier for someone to to have those qualities where if you've got five people all working on something together, people are always jumping in and interchanging. There's never much of a moment where you are just isolated by yourself working on something because everyone's doing it together. So therefore, there could potentially be that blended view of yes, I'm a fantastic CEO, but actually someone else could be kind of taking the CEO role behind the scenes because you're all in the same room and someone could be guarding the conversation. But in this current environment now where, you know, there could be three, four hours where you're not speaking to anyone else in the team because you're working on something specific, you have to have so much more control and oversight of every part of the business. So you're absolutely right. I do think that in some sense, it could breed stronger CEOs or it could help identify the strongest member of the team to fulfill that position or identify where there are gaps because typically you might have a daily or weekly catch up with everyone in your team. And if you've sort of allocated tasks and and KPIs that you want to achieve for that week and you realize there's something missing, I think that becomes a lot more evident when people are working remotely than when you're all in a room together and someone can either pick up the slack or projects might blend across different people. So look, really enjoyed chatting to you. Before we do go, what what's next for Loyal Eyes? Um, we've been in this strange new world for a little bit of time now. I guess the dust is beginning to settle and you're you're looking to the future rather than kind of going, oh, hang on a minute, what do we do with what's going on right now? So what's coming up in the next few months? Yeah, absolutely. And as I say, I think because the pandemic seems to have accelerated demand for frictionless experiences for us, and you know, casually speaking, we're, we're not live yet as a business. We're pre-revenue, but we have some really interesting conversations with some, some very big players in the in the retail space. So for us, the core focus is taking on our, our first use cases to markets. Um, it's highly likely they'll be in the UK, but we do have some some other markets where we might have opportunities to, to launch in as well, which is great. So the next few months is really focused on taking first use cases to market and then exploring what other international markets we, we can look look at because I think loyalty is now becoming a real global focus for a whole number of businesses. Um, And, you know, I'm going to be biased, but I think we are pretty well positioned to help facilitate these frictionless engagements between retailer and customer. So, yeah, very excited what the next few months um, has to offer keeping in mind that we are still in the middle of a pandemic and (laughs) have to be sort of relatively patient with, with certain things. Yeah, of course. Look, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you this morning, David. Uh, so uh, thanks for your time. It is Tuesday, I'm afraid. So you have to enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, David. I knew that's brilliant. The theme that runs through just about every single conversation at the minute, acceleration. This business has been around for 15 months and in six to eight months, they've just hit turbocharge. It's just the thing that we keep hearing again and again, which makes you think that whilst obviously coronavirus is bad, mm. obviously, for quite a few tech companies, it's it's been pretty transformative. Yeah, exactly. And we've talked about so many companies and I think Loyalize will be one of them that will have a great story coming out of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, and whilst we see, hear, read about you know organisations going through huge amounts of change, and facing some real, real tough times, um, you know, people, people that loyalise, other guests that we've had on, just absolutely booming throughout the pandemic. Yes, 
which is excellent to see and good for, for, for customers and also good for businesses that can use their platform as well, um, you know, which is great. Yeah, I mean, as, as, he, as, as David talks about, um, loyalty was disjointed and, and this, this is a white label platform that gives, that gives those businesses a much richer insight and, and real-time insight into their customers, which when shoppers aren't coming in and physically seeing them mm. and e-commerce channels are strengthened, yeah. that level of insight obviously becomes so much more important than it was even beforehand. 100%. And I think the data as well to back up you know, who the consumers are, what people are buying, what stores are booming. Um, I think you mentioned places like John Lewis and, and that sort of stuff that yeah. you like to go for. Um, you know, organisations like that are, will now be able to see exactly who the customer base is, you know, what yeah. are people buying, where can they add on products, where, you know, where can they kind of introduce loyalty schemes, that sort of thing. And look, so, yeah. as, I, as I alluded to in that interview, I'm a bit of a snob. I don't mm. like TK Maxx because it's a jumble sale. I do yeah. like John Lewis because I felt, I always felt like it was Relax. a slightly more humane shopping yeah. experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, when you say betting, is that, yeah. is that online? Yeah. That doesn't matter. No. I've got no idea what the difference is between TK Maxx and John Lewis. In fact, TK Maxx's website, I don't know this because I've never been on it. It might yeah. even be nicer than John Lewis's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So loyalty and brand loyalty will possibly get you so far, but if we if we remain in a, in a situation where we're spending more money online, you might start to switch and go, well, actually... I'm going to start spending money on, on this brand that I've seen on Instagram because I prefer the shopping experience or it's easier because it's in my social feed yeah, no, rather definitely. than taking the time to go to a website that, yeah. to be perfectly frank, is no different from any other anymore because yeah. I'm not going there physically. No, definitely. And I've done that in lockdown, to be fair, where I've looked for a certain product and because I haven't had my wallet on me at that point or I'm just lazy, I'm in another room and my wallet's upstairs or whatever... I'll just go on the site that will offer me Apple Pay and I'll just, yeah. you know, I can just do it very easily off a couple of clicks and that's it, it's done. Um, I've started using PayPal more because yeah. of that because it's easier to just go click. Exactly, exactly. And it's probably laziness, to be honest. It's probably just, you know, ideal consumer behaviour. Yeah. But I think, you know, with, with the loyalty side of things, you'll just end up going to one thing. And what I always think about loyalty is I always think about air miles, points, you know, kind of that sort of stuff. And where we're in an age at the moment where there's hardly any international travel or people aren't traveling as much, you know, companies like this can introduce or, or retailers can introduce certain loyalty points, which I think will not only help them kind of regenerate a lot of revenue, but also help, you know, kind of um, the consumers as well, mere mortals like us. What do you think about this interesting point around... Um we talked about breeding better CEOs and he said you've got to have more insight and funnily enough it's more evident when you're remote than when you're sitting next to people in his opinion when people are picking up the slack or not and actually when you're remote you're more likely to identify people that need help and therefore you can become a better manager as a consequence than when you were sat next to them which is almost completely the opposite of what I would have imagined yeah but I, th I think I'd agree because if you're remote Things are, things are very evident. It's very black and white. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. And it's, if you're sat in a team or if you're sat next to each other, you may not necessarily know if someone's struggling. Um, and also at the same point, people might not be that open to tell you, you know, in front of others. Or, or Yeah, but it's, it's always been the perceived kind of wisdom that, the, the received wisdom rather, that if you're sat next to someone, you can see what they're doing, you can hear, you can be on mm. hand to help them, etc., etc. Mm. And he's almost saying that that distance actually is helpful. Yeah, 
I think I, th- I think the distance is helpful because I think you can you can blag if you're doing all right. I mean, I've, I've done it before. I'll put my hands up. You've blagged? Well, yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, I work in sales in the city. Of course, I'm a blagger. Um, but you know, you you can you can you can give off a, a, a vibe or a, or a facade that you know things are, are as they should be, but inside you're actually not kind of hitting the mark, and you're you know maybe you're struggling and need help with certain points and i think for a good management good management good ceo you know having that insight but also making sure that there is also that constant touch point yeah will help productivity but is also going to just help the workforce to excel really um, yeah, yeah. 100% so so i agree with that and i think sometimes when you're not next to someone day in day out there's less pressure to you know you, you can allow yourself to feel vulnerable and you can open up to you know, kind of certain um, issues that you may be facing. Yeah. Rather than if you're sat in a bubble, or if you're sat in a team, and everyone else seems to be f- absolutely flying and smashing it, and understanding whatever it is, and you're the one that's kind of falling behind, you may be quite hesitant because of ego, because of pride, because of personality, to say, "Hey, actually, guys, I need a bit of help." Whereas I think if you're remote, <laughs> you could just call and say, "I'm struggling here. Is it me, or am I not understanding this right?" And yeah. then allow you to get the the, the, the kind interesting of how that how yeah. that dynamic of I being in so. the office can I think so yeah 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 how you from asking think when about you it, right it's, it's egos it's, it's competitive nature it's it's people yes you're you're striving towards one goal yes you're striving towards doing as best you can for the organisation but at the same time you're also striving to make yourself better yeah. and I think when people are remote it allows you to really understand what you're good at, what you're not. And, and I've seen it in my, myself, you know, ever since lockdown period, there's certain things I'm really good at and there's certain things that I thought I was good at that I'm not. To be honest, I've had more open and honest conversations with people during lockdown where mm. you've kind of called them up and been like, how are you getting on? Mm. I mean, I think because it, the, we're now predisposed to saying or checking in on people, mm. people are a bit more like, yeah, you know what, this is annoying me yeah, or yeah. this is frustrating me. Yeah, whereas, whereas before, eight months ago, how you getting on? Fine, yeah, you. Yeah, that, that used to be it. Do you know what I mean? And well, it wasn't a real question, whereas now it is. Yeah, exactly. When you ask someone how they are, you mean it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also things like how's things, how's family. You know, it now has a different meaning to it. Yeah. Um, whereas before it was like, yeah, everyone's doing well, busy. Do you know what I mean? And that yeah, was yeah. it. Conversation dead. Um, whereas I think now there's so many things to talk about. There's so many parents. Um, there's people with care responsibilities that I didn't even know that I had. A, you know, um, yeah. they're looking out for relatives or, or kind of elderly people in their family, and it's it's just about it's made relationships a lot better, but also I think it's just made people kind of understand exactly what's required and, and yeah. where they need to go. So yeah. we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with a short bit of tech news. But David, thanks for being our guest. We've spoken about this kind of before. Mm. We were talking about cities with poor broadband speeds. Bristol. Yes. Yeah. Now it's just that the UK is overall shit. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the UK UK broadband speeds are amongst the lowest, or slowest rather, in Europe. Ah. Okay, get this. Britain has dropped 13 places in an annual study ranking the average broadband speeds of 221 countries and territory, territories, placing it 47th fastest in the world. Last year it was 34th. Um, yeah. Let's put this in real terms that you actually care about. Yeah. Um, 
on average, it takes 18 minutes yeah. to download a 5 gigabyte movie. In Spain, it takes 12 minutes. Sweden, 8 minutes. Switzerland, 6 minutes. Why the hell does this matter? Well, when everybody's at home, everyone's yeah. using the broadband. Yeah. Uh, I was speaking to someone just the other week who's gone and got themselves a separate router, which mm. only they have the password to and not their kids. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it does... It is worrying when yeah. now we are working in a much more remote world <laughs> yeah. that the UK doesn't have the infrastructure. Yeah, it's crazy. And also, I think I think the pressure to have good internet is is, is quite a lot at the moment. Like, there's just pressure to be you know quick at responding. Um, you don't want to be the guy on the, on a Teams call or a Zoom call that's buffering or no. you know kind of pixelated. You know, it's almost like a gloating element is that right yeah. like, you know some i mean i've had conversations with people it's like oh it's not my internet mate. it's definitely yours you know i've got the fiber optic 2000 that, magnum yeah. you, you do know, immediately go oh my network's fine yeah 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 it's, it's, it's very much of a gloaty thing where it's like oh i'm, I'm not sure or it's a pride, pride yeah yeah it, you know it's, it's gone from do you know you know when we all used to be in the office and it's like you used to give someone a bit of shit about maybe some you know naughty clobber that they've got on like some trousers it's like what, what do you mean these are yeah these are Hugo Boss 120 pound trousers like, yeah it was but like, it they was still like, look shit yeah exactly it was a glowing <laughs> whereas now it's well what do you mean I pay 89.99 a month and this is the fastest internet that's available and all this sort of stuff do you know what I mean it's just yeah I think it's um, it's crazy why, why we're so slow but who's who's slower than us then? Who, so who's the worst country that's it, it doesn't say uh, who's the worst but it does say who's leapfrogged us, yeah. and that includes Malta, Puerto Rico, and Romania. Romania. So let's get ourselves out and, to Bucharest. An offshore hub for a lot of organisations. Well, mate, let's just fly in from Bucharest one day a week, come yeah. into the office one day a week, go back to the to Romania. Romania's got beautiful landscapes, yeah. glorious beaches. Yeah. Sorted. And Better who's, internet. And who's, who's number one? I, I don't know who number one is. I say number one is. I mean, it does, it does make out to say that you know, okay. let's be honest, some of these countries are smaller, therefore mm. it offers less of a technical challenge. Yep. Not really an excuse, though, is it? We no. just haven't invested in broadband. And yep. instead of investing in shit like HS2, mm. right now it's it's actually about connectivity that really matters. Or if, you, you know, if you're a conspiracy theorist um 5g you know is that having a is that having an effect there we go <laughs> leave, leave it on that cliffhanger <laughs> let's not give any uh <laughs> any credence to COVID idiots yeah no exactly <laughs> exactly 5g that could be the reason why um yeah who knows who knows but gotta got make do with it don't we gotta make do with it do we i think we should we should expect more Kish. i don't think it's a case of making do otherwise i'm off to romania yeah no true true i want to see where lisbon is because lisbon seems to be the hub of all things technology i bet i bet portugal's better yeah i i would be very very keen um to see where lisbon is because that just seems it's it's like the silicon valley of europe at the moment everyone seems to have some sort of mate if spain's got better internet than we have then portugal Portugal has yeah yeah yeah. they're probably nicking some from spain though <laughs> right, that'll do for this uh, edition. We'll be back after the weekend with a chat about health tech and Valor Health. So that's coming on Tuesday. Till then, have a lovely weekend. Cheers, guys.